what do you do with people that are struggling to meet their payments that maybe they bought in the past few months or past year and now they're realizing that they can't afford anymore? So yeah, that's a good point. Um, banks are starting to become open to the idea of some temporary relief as well. So uh, you really have to kind of work through options. Um, if it's someone that's done something recent, like let's say they're in a variable rate and they're feeling a bit stuck, you know, don't, the stress is going to get to you. Don't, don't let it get to you without talking to professionals. Look, I get it. The Toronto real estate market is confusing. Whether you're a new or experienced investor or just looking for a home to raise your family in, join us at Broadview Table Talks as you sit around the table with my friends, talk about the real estate and the ever-changing market in Toronto. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Broadview Table Talks. We got another mortgage broker. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that happens a lot. Uh, Andrew Dreyer, am I pronouncing it right? That's right. Outline Financial. Yeah. All right, so um, I'm sorry to keep bringing mortgage brokers onto this podcast, but it's just the way it is. The industry, well, it's right? the economy right so, now too. I think it's uh, it's a it's we're focused on it, right? So we should be at least. Yeah, yeah. So um, you said something in the beginning when we first when you first came here. You said that LDI Financial is a little bit different. Can yeah. you tell me a little bit about that? You want to go into that now? Or? Yeah, sure. So I think a lot of, and I'm not knocking other brokers, there's a lot of amazing brokers out there. So um, I think a lot of us do a great job. I think one thing we do a little differently is. Uh, we really focus on working as a team. So we're helping each other out with those hard deals. We're keeping each other abreast of what's going on. So, I mean, I don't want to bore people with details, but you know, one of the things is one of our banks right now is pricing things real time based on bond yields. So we're all talking. And when we, when one of us sees a hit where, you know, bonds have gone down and we get a good rate back, we're, we're jumping on it and we're getting in there for all of our clients. Um, we're keeping each other kind of knowledgeable on underwriting practices everything that's going on. I focus a lot on the economy, so I'm keeping other agents up to date on what's happening there. And we kind of all have our different own expertise and how we can benefit the company. Okay. So in the economy, in terms of that, what's happening right now? So <laughs> we know that. Uh, yeah, I, I think we're kind of at the top. It's been a fun rates. two weeks. Right? Yeah. And and so I think we're kind of a tale of two countries affecting Canada right now. So there's, there's what's happening in Canada and what's happening in the U.S. And those are starting to diverge. Um, so in Canada, we're seeing some good progress with, you know, the rate increases were painful for all of us, I think in, in the last year. Um, but we're starting to see that take hold and we're starting to see, you know, we'll see when jobs report comes out later this month or later this week and the Bank of Canada announcement next week. But, you know, looking at inflation numbers that came out this week, lower than forecast, very good, right? I mean, very good progress. We, we are over the hump. It seems like we don't know if it's a false dip and if things are going to go back up, but so far so good. Um, in the U S it looks like there is more to go. If that's, you know, you hear Jerome Powell, probably the, one of the most powerful economic men in the world right now. Um, they have more increases to come. Uh, we're kind of wait and see, uh, situation, but, um, the U S is also, you know, has a lot less of a debt burden than we do on, at a consumer level. So it makes sense that, you know, we can get there faster with, with the rate increases being equivalent so far. And in history, if you look at all the times in history that we've seen these rate jumps to try and combat inflation or anything else, Canada has always been able to stop earlier than the U.S. So the U.S. has always had to go further. This is nothing surprising. Um, and, you know, both countries could very much be saying something that's true, where Canada is saying we're going to hold and we think we're okay here and until we see something different. And the U.S. is saying we think we need to go further. Um, how that's all translating into Canada, Canadian, Canada, Canada's fixed rates, I think also becomes a bit interesting um, because in the past two weeks, we've really seen bond yields go up significantly. Bond yeah. yields, for those that don't know, 
that really um, it's a it's a significant factor in the in the Canadian fixed rate mortgage market. So you see about 150 basis point or 1.5 percent uplift from the bond yield to your corresponding fixed rate. So a two year bond versus a two year fixed or a five year bond versus a five year fixed. And so we saw everything coming down nicely with Canadian, you know, results. And then these past two weeks, we've seen things spike about a half percent up. Um, and that is all based solely on the U.S. And unfortunately, our bond market is not as insulated as our bank of overnight rate is when from the U.S. You know, we have a lot more influence there. We export to the U.S. They're a, a significant factor in our economy. And so bond pricing goes up or goes down, which means yield goes up. Um, so that's kind of where we're at right now. So still the 10 to still inverted. So it's still very much inverted. Still, yeah. And I think that's, yeah, that's going to be interesting to see what happens this year, right? As the year progresses, because at some point we should start to see when both countries start to get inflation in control, we should start to see that inversion correct itself a little bit and hopefully go a little bit straighter and eventually to that nice linear positive. That means we're in a healthy economy. Um, but it is a question too, you know, there's not just inflation we need to think about, but what does GDP look like? Yeah. And and that's the other big one, right? Is, you know, this looming recession because both countries are over their neutral rates. We both know that, you know, these rates are hurting the economy in both countries. And so what does GDP look like for, for Canada as well? Well, so it's funny because we were talking about this earlier. And all real estate agents, mortgage brokers, whoever has to be an economist now. Yeah. We gotta be smart. Well, this year, at least, you know, if, if, if never before, in 2022 and 2023, it's a must. Because our clients are depending on us to give the right story and yeah. make the right big financial decisions based on this stuff, right? So, yeah, I mean, the the the, the property is going to be the, you know, our client's biggest purchase of their lives and their mortgage is going to be their biggest liability of their lives. So you're talking about the two biggest pieces on their bal- on their personal balance sheets. If we don't know, understand the economy, you know, who else is going to advise them? Here's one thing, maybe you have the answer to this, maybe you don't. I don't know. I could never find this. If we're trying to get to a target inflation rate of 2%, huh. and Benjamin tells us we're not changing that because it's just, a, there's no point getting the idea of, we're not changing that target. It's going to yeah. be at 2%. That's what the bank of Canada says, right? We don't know, but that's so what far. they say, right? Yeah. If we're importing plus or minus 2% of people into the economy every year, mm-hmm. how is that going to get to 2%? You know what I mean? Like, because those people coming, the 500,000 people or even up to a million people, including refugees and all that stuff, right? They're going to consume things. They're going to take transit. They're going to buy houses or rent houses, maybe or whatever, right? So right. they're going to contribute to the economy. But I think that's where we're seeing that's more of the volume piece, right? And the GDP. Mm-hmm. And so that's where we're seeing because the the inflation is not just a story of how much we're consuming, but it's how much do we have in terms of supply. Right. So, right. Right. Um, I think that's a you know what you mentioned. We kind of we did touch on this earlier as a huge point when we talk about GDP and. You know, if Canada doesn't go negative GDP, does that mean we're in a recession or we're not in a recession? Because if we're adding 400,000 people, then our GDP per capita, if we're flat on GDP, then our GDP per capita is negative. I think it's going down, right? Isn't right. it? Yeah. It is. Yeah. So we're, we're, some would say, you know, and I heard I'm taking someone else's words here because I heard it from an MNP special economist, but, um, you know, they would say we're already kind of in a recession from that perspective. Look at GDP per capita. So, yeah, I think, and that's where we need to look at that piece as well. It's not just, what is that going to do to price? Because if we have enough supply, you know, even if demand goes up, doesn't mean price needs to change. Right. Yeah. Again, it's, yeah, either supply push or demand pull, right? So yeah. inflation. Um, at the end of the day, I don't know. A lot of people are saying that the rates are going to 
stay flat for the rest of the year? Um, where do you think they're going to go? Some people are saying uh, uh, the overnight rate, which affects the variable rate and the prime rate that everyone has, you know, kind of seen jump. Um, I, I think we'll see it. I think I hope that we'll see it flat. You know, they're not going to um, they're not going to drop it early is what they're telling them. And, and and that is predicated based on something that happened in the 70s. So in the 70s, we saw a lot of inflation and they raised the rates and then inflation dropped and they dropped the rims. And then inflation came back and it bounced back and it bounced back worse. And they raised the rates and inflation came down. That's right. And then it actually did it a third time. And that third time, that was when we saw that huge recession in the 70s. And so both the US and Canadian banks are both very scared of that happening again. So that's why you hear the Bank of Canada saying, we're not going to drop rates. Even if we get back to target inflation mid-year, we're going to hold until later in the year. So I don't think we're going to see a drop. I hope that we don't see it go further up and I hope we stay on course. Um, but that, yeah, I think it's so remains to see and, and we need to be kind of flexible in how we approach all this because what we think today could easily change tomorrow, unfortunately, all the volatility of you know, it's dangerous when we're at these peaks because it's hard for anyone to say it is a true peak or if it's sort of a, a false dip. Right. But ultimately, you shouldn't be treating the real estate market like a stock market anyway, right? So people should be buying long run. Yeah, that's a good point, right? And if we look at pricing, we saw pricing come down and I think it's been fairly flat, you know, in the core city. I mean, in different areas. Real estate prices. You mean Real estate prices. Price. Yeah. We've seen that kind of flatten out a little bit. Um, in the past little while, which is good, means a bit of stability, but that's more lack of inventory than it. Yeah, of course. You. Um, but yeah, I think the key is if you're getting in, I mean, if first of all, if you're buying and selling, this is a fantastic time because the the difference between the two is less. So if you have the same monthly payment and a higher interest rate, that means your mortgage is smaller. So if you can get away with that, which you can right now versus you know this time last year, then it's a fantastic time to buy and sell. Don't forget about portability too, right? Mortgage and you can pour your mortgage, yeah. You have so, a lower rate from before. You can always move it over. 100%, right? If you've got a fixed rate that's 3% or something that you renewed, you're taking that with you. And so you're only paying the higher rate on the top up. So that, I mean, that makes it even more compelling. Um, for new purchases, I think what I tell, usually say to buyers is, say, stop trying to time it where you're at the bottom. I said, look at that linear curve that we follow for the past 30 years in Toronto and if prices are below that linear curve on the on the price increases, that's a good time to buy, right? If prices are high, you might still want to buy for other reasons. But if it's below, which it is right now, then I think it's a good time to buy. Like, I think if it makes sense and your budget works for you, then you should do it. Right. These are people on the fence, right? There's also yeah. people that absolutely need to sell or buy, right? Depending on their situation. Yeah. Right? Depending yeah. on what they're going through. So, you know, expanding families, shrinking families, whatever it is, right? Yep. Death, divorce, that kind of stuff. So I um, guess ultimately, if you need to make a decision, you need to make a move, you just got to really look at your situation. Yeah. And I think, I think the key is, is um, knowing that there's a lot of volatility is, is keep yourself, you know, somewhat nimble, right? So um, look at how long we see volatility for. So that's why a lot of people are looking at two year and three year fixed right now. It's not going to put you in a position where you're kicking yourself in three years because rates have come down and you're stuck with a 5% that, you know, you feel is high. Which, by the way, historically is not that high. It's just high relative to where we've been in the past just two years. Yeah, it's a shock to the economy. Yeah, yeah, it's right. If you're used to paying whatever amount, and then all yeah. of a sudden it doubles. That's, I mean, that's huge. yeah. I remember my first place. I got four nine nine, and I was ecstatic. Like it was, you know, it was great. So, um, so I think it's it is all relative. Um, I think you know, 
does feel high, certainly, versus the 169s that were out there. But when you look at how much people were having to pay on those 169s, uh, it was tough. You know, it, it was tough for them, too. So, And they're kind of stuck where some of them are in a position where it's like, wow, I'm glad I don't need to sell right now because I overpaid for my house. Right. So, you know, you kind of got to take both sides and look at the whole picture, I think. What are you seeing in terms of mortgage originations? Are you seeing more, are you seeing volume business go up, down, uh, flat? I would say versus the fall, we're certainly seeing it up now, which is good. Um, seeing more activity now. Um, I think we're seeing a lot more interested buyers now, which is good. A lot of people redoing their pre's. You know, we've kind of reached out to everyone and said, hey, we've seen a bit of a dip since the fall. What, you know, are you still thinking? And they're like, absolutely, yes. I'm just, you know, right place. And I want to make sure that it is the right place for me, which I think is smart. Um, but I expect we're going to see, definitely we'll see a, you know, I think a stronger start to the year than we saw finish to last year. Um, I don't think any of us wanted to go back to the levels it was at the early 2022. I think it was too hard on buyers. Um, so I think we want some reasonable and, and rational decision-making by buyers is call. Right. Not treating housing as a, I guess, a speculation. This is a right. place you live, right? That's right. Yeah. And it's a long-term thing right? that, you know, you it is going to go up in value over the long term and it will continue to go up. We are inherently supply constrained in this. Continue to be that way. That's right. So there's no reason to feel that you need to make, you know, some huge gain in your first year. What do you do with people that are struggling to meet the payments that maybe they bought in the past few months or past year, and now they're realizing that they can't afford anymore? So that's a good point. Um, Banks are starting to become open to the idea of some temporary relief as well. So uh, you really have to kind of work through options. Uh, if If it's someone that maybe they're doing a renewal and where they had a lower rate, you know, there's a little bit more that we can do can extend amortization. Oh, yeah, can, we can play with things like that to try and make things, you know, work from a cash flow model for them. Um, if it's someone that's done something recent, like let's say they're in a variable rate and they're feeling a bit stuck, you know, don't, the stress is going to get to you. Don't, don't let it get to you without talking to professionals about it. So talk to your broker, talk to your bank, whoever is the right person and see what can be done. Because sometimes, you know, the banks will say, hey, we'll go interest only for six months. Or, you know, we'll do some things like this for you because they don't want to do any foreclosures or power sales. They're on the business of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's not their business. If you're a good client, they want to keep you and they understand that this is a tough time for everyone. I read somewhere where, you know, the, the mortgages are based on, they lend based on your income ability. Yep. But they secure it against the house. Some people think the other way around, right? Like that's just a different way of thinking of it. Cause some people think that, oh, my house is worth this. I paid this much for it and it's worth this much. Um, and I have this much equity in it, I should get the mortgage. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, no, it's equity-based lending's gone. That's right. That's right. Unless you own privates or something. You can do equity-based lending, but it's expensive. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, it's more. I mean, if, you know, reverse mortgages are a bit of a different story, but, uh, and you can do some equity lending there. But um, yeah, when you talk about it is not your father's world when it comes to, uh, comes to mortgages these days, it is all income-based. They want to look at, and this is driven right from OSFI, right from the government. They want to see that you have a you have monthly income that can cover your expenses. And that is the primary gauge. Now, they will give some exceptions based on if you've got money in the bank and it's collateral, like not so much as registered collateral, but show that you demonstrate that you've got some other alternatives here. Or if you're self-employed as well, you know, there's, there's some, they know there's additional write-offs and things and that's fine. But yeah, they want to make sure that, that you can handle it. And 
everyone in COVID, even if they were getting 2%, they were getting measured at 5.25%. Let's trust us, yeah. And whether they, and you know, whether they could hit it. So um, that is a huge saving grace that I think a lot of us in 2018 maybe said, oh, I don't know, this, this is a bad thing. And, you know, I think everyone now was good move, right? I think it was a smart call to to have some sort of stress test in there for because it's probably good what's going to save a lot of people from going into default. Well, speaking of offsee, not everybody's regulated through offsee, right? As you know, so some private, some, yeah. some other lenders as well too. Yep. Um, and there's a lot of news about them trying to make changes to, you know, to well, keep our... Yeah, it's crazy. There's a couple things. There's a lot of rule changes now. And, um, you know, I think I understand the intention. And I think actually I spoke to, to, to someone else on this. I, I totally get the intention of it. I guess I'm looking at some of the measures they're talking about in terms of qualification and, and stuff like that. And I wonder, is it maybe a little bit too late for that where we're already in this situation and we need to look at how do we, how do we mitigate risk that already exists rather than how do we prevent new risks from occurring? Um, that's a good point. And so I wonder if those are the right approaches. Because they're not the ones for dealing with policy, right? I mean, it should be the federal government at the end of the day, not, not the banking regulator, which... Yeah, yeah, and and so and and they're you know they're doing things like you know mandating changing ratios and limiting special programs is sort of on the table from them. Um, they've also just recently, I mean, you'll if if anyone's out there shopping for mortgages, you're going to see a huge disparity between the banks right now because in January they came out with a change in in, leg- in regulations for the banks of their deposit to credit ratios, and so what they've done is they've said we want you to hold more of your deposits in reserve for uh, for your mortgage portfolio or for your liabilities portfolio, I guess, which mortgage is a large piece of that. And so a couple of the banks have just done recent acquisitions globally and, and their ratios are off where they need to be. So Scotia, for example, unfortunately right now is in this temporary holding pattern. So if you're renewing at Scotia, you're going to see a very different rate than if you were renewing at TD or RBC or Bank of Montreal and things. So we've seen a bigger rate disparity this year than we've ever seen. Sorry, sorry, I don't get that. So that affects yeah. their rates, not their well, because, holdings. Because their portfolio is too large relative to their deposits. They need to somehow shrink their portfolios. Right. And so the best way to shrink your portfolios uh, is to be out of competitive on your rates. Right. So the people self-select themselves out of the company. Right. Out of the bank, sorry, I should say. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's... it's That's interesting. It's a different perspective. And it's really kind of created a, a situation where you've got this disparity between the banks that, you know, we might see like a 0.1% difference between. Point two or something, you know, a little bit when one's hungrier than the others, but but nothing like this. Like one percent difference is enough at times. It's big, right, right, right. They're trying to shrink their books, but yeah, yeah. I, I thought the other way around. I didn't think about the the total portfolio. I thought that you know, because mortgage originations are starting to be slower, that they would try to compete with others, try to get that small amount of pie available. But I guess they kind of make sense. I think it's, there's a banks out there that are are really hungry, and so they're like, "Hey, we'll trim our margins to get more in." Right, right, right. And because we know these other guys are in a in a bad spot, and I mean, we saw we saw rate increases at at Scotia across the board, both branch and broker channel, um, in December that were you know like their one year went up by sixty basis points or something like that overnight with no no change in bond yields, nothing, and with no explanation, and that was just. That's a result of what's happening there with what OSPI is, is making changes on. Great. Well, it just goes to show that there's so many different avenues that you can pick yeah. in terms of the lending side, right? You can, so many different avenues. Well, and I think I'm, I am, I think that's the other thing that's on renewals. We're seeing people reaching out more than ever. A lot of people are just typically satisfied with 
taking whatever the bank's offering. It's kind of like three or 3.1. But people are shopping now and they should because, and I'm very honest with people, I don't want people to do, I don't want to make work projects for anyone. So most of us don't. So we say like, hey, you're getting a good rate. Keep it, run with it. That's the best you're going to get right now. But a lot of times there's better options out there. We're doing things like should be hedging, should say, hey, yeah, I want that rate, but I'm not renewing to the last minute. And if you don't like that, I'm going to go talk to someone because that they should offer that to you. That's your right, right? You've got your current rate. You don't want to renew early because if you take a deal with the bank, you don't want them to, to, to set it in right away. Can you talk about the life insurance part of it that you were mentioning about the, the life financial that you guys have? Yeah. So we do, um, it's just sort of a compliment that works well, I think. Uh, so we do have a personal insurance arm. I don't do it myself, but we do have, uh, we do have a team of, of insurance agents that work on that. And it kind of spurred from, you know, there's always been this mortgage default op- uh, insurance that we need to offer to clients. And sometimes it's a good idea and sometimes it's not. And we said, well, you know, when we had some people with insurance backgrounds on the team and they said, well, hey, let's talk to clients about, hey, these are the other options too. And a lot of times when people are buying homes, that's the time they start thinking about life insurance because what happens, I'm buying a home with a partner, what happens if I pass? Like they have to give up the house. And so you do want some protection. Maybe mortgage default insurance is the right, or mortgage insurance is the right option. Maybe it's not. So where you lose your job and... Yeah, or disability, exactly, right? Like, uh, is is another one there. Or, um, so, but it's, yeah, all these things that could happen, um, kind of giving you a little bit of extra protection. So it's, it's working well that way, too. And it's giving us, you know, some unique partnerships as well on the mortgage side, I'll say. So you're using whole life insurance as well to help boost the portfolio for qualification or something? I, I don't know caught that right in the beginning part as well too. Yeah. So, uh, so if we have a client that is a life insurance client, then we have some other avenues that we can work with as well on the mortgage side. So, uh, that might not be, you know, traditional brokers might not have. So it's sort of giving us an extended lender port. Awesome. I just learned about whole life insurance a couple of years back and finally got a couple of policies. So yeah, it's been, yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's another one, right. Is, is knowing like, you know, mortgage insurance is typically this term policy, which is okay, but it, you know, you don't, and having some term policies are good, but whole life is another whole piece that, you know, people should understand that this is essentially an investment and it's a tax-free, um, estate plan. It's an asset. Yeah. yeah. Especially for cor- people with corporations. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a good way to, uh, to contribute there and, and to, you know, have some tax benefits uh, for the future. I need to get somebody on here that can talk about my head insurance. No, tenant insurance. Tenant insurance. Tenant default insurance. Okay. No, that's, that's a different product that not very many lenders are, I mean, insurance providers. I think I probably know a couple. I know there's a couple of them out there, yeah. but uh, it'd just be different to see how, you know, anyway, it's see the industry mature a little bit more. Yeah. A lot of defaults going on with uh, the rising economy and stuff like that, the rising cost of the uh, uh, living really, right? So yeah. a lot of tenants are, I find anyway, starting to default on their rent and not pay their rent. Really? Yeah. It kind of sucks. There's a lot of cases out there. Anyway. But no, I appreciate the intellectual conversation. That's really... Um, Amazing that you would do this educational stuff. Yeah, well too. It's uh, you seem to know a lot about the economy. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I think like a, like we talked about at the start. I think we have to, right? Want to be responsible, help our clients. It's, it's important. Right. So, um, with that, how do people find you? How do they reach out to you? Yeah, you can get me. Um, you can go to our website, um, www.outline.ca. You can reach out to me personally, Andrew at outline.ca. Um, yeah, those are the best two ways. Good talking to you and uh, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Ken. Add it up.
Thanks for sticking out to the very end. I hope you got some value out of this. Do me a favor, please press like and subscribe, but more than anything, leave me some feedback so we know what to produce for you going forward. Thanks again.